Luke chapter 24. We'll read verses 44 through 53. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, Jesus opened his disciples' minds so they could understand Scripture. We start this morning by making that our prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your written word. And we pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to the ways that you are speaking to us in and through it today. We praise you, Lord. Amen. We're going to focus today on the two things present and one thing implied in this passage. There are two realities that Jesus describes, two things that are are present. The first calls on the disciples to look backwards so that they might understand what God has been up to and how he has been at work through the circumstances and situations they've experienced. And the second calls upon them to look forward, to look ahead in faith as they anticipate the ways that God will move in and through them in the days to come. And the third, the implied reality, is their present situation. What do we do with the time we're in? How is God at work now? All of us have gone through something in our lives that was difficult or challenging or, or especially painful. There's probably a time in your life that, that just springs to mind when I say those words. Maybe it's even now, a time of difficulty. And in that time, did you struggle to make any sense of it? I, as I think about my own situation, I know I struggled to make sense of it. I, I struggled to figure out what is God up to? Why am I experiencing these things? Maybe Maybe for you, for you it's a season of loss or loneliness, and we look back, or, or we, we, as we were going through it, wonder why? Why is any of this happening? Think of, think of that season, and then think of the season that the disciples have just experienced. There was a time of immense confusion as they followed their rabbi, trying to make sense of his teachings. The teachings of Jesus were so different than what they had heard elsewhere, different than what other rabbis were teaching. They were different than the assumptions that they had made and the ways that they had known God. It was challenging to them. And yet, just as they were starting to grasp it, just as it was starting to click and make sense, Jesus was taken from them. As they finally managed to, to begin to grasp in broad outlines what Jesus was doing in this new reality that he was ushering in, he was crucified. Can you imagine their confusion and their agony? How can this possibly make sense? How can this be? How, how could it be that they were just starting to catch a glimpse of what Jesus was teaching them all of this time, only for him to be taken and for his message to, 
apparently become invalid due to his death. No explanation could ease their pain, and their confusion persisted even after Jesus' resurrection until this moment in Scripture when He provided a new lens through which they could see their situation and make sense of what they had been through. Jesus says to them, all that you went through was for a purpose. All that we experienced was by design. Even my death and even the agony and, and loss that you felt when I was crucified was not beyond God's redemptive hand. And so when you look back and try and make sense of those years of following me and the pain of losing me, recognize that God was at work and you got to witness something remarkable, something truly wonderful. Luke's gospel records it like this, then he opened their minds so they could understand scripture. And he told them, this is what is written. The Lord will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witness to such things. He said, you saw how it played out. You got to witness this. You watched God take an impossible situation and do something entirely new through it. God was working all along, and you can trace His faithfulness in your life through Scripture. Most of you know that I was on staff here at Calvary in 2011 through about 2013. And, and after that, we moved on from here to Indiana and then to Michigan eventually. And what maybe you don't know, what we, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about, is that Indiana was terribly difficult on my family. It was for a lot of reasons. We were in a very remote area, uh, very s small remote town, um, I used to tell people if you wanted to buy a gallon of milk, it was a 45-minute drive away, which was true. Um, with with uh, two young kids, three young kids, that was that was hard to do. Um, and so it was it was difficult. But there were there were challenges in the church too. Um, deep pain in the church. And those five years those five years were painful for us. For my family. The church was deeply unhealthy, and, and it took five years for it to arrive at a healthier place. And many, many times during those years, I pleaded with God for release from that assignment. Lord, it is hard here. It is painful here. Deliver us from here. And I updated my resume. In fact, I had it ready to send out, and we went on vacation, and I, I had the envelope stuffed and ready to go, and, and we went and visited family, and Carmen's grandmother, right as we were getting ready to leave, we were like, the car was packed, we were going home, she said to me, by the way, God has told me you're not supposed to send that resume out. And I was so frustrated with her because I knew she was right. I, I, he had been speaking that to me too, and I, I, I didn't want to hear it, but, but she said it out loud, and I couldn't deny it any longer. We were supposed to stay. We were there two more years after that. God made it clear that we weren't supposed to leave, and so we didn't. And I remember asking God, why? Why have we undergone so much turmoil? Why are we in this situation that has been so painful to us? See, the church had been deeply wounded by their previous pastor. And as it often happens, they responded to their woundedness, the wounds that they had received by wounding others. And it was agony. And it was lonely and painful ministry. And, and though there were tremendous blessings that occurred in the midst of all of it and we developed lifelong friendships and people we still keep up with. It was only in hindsight that, 
that I could begin to make sense of it all. In the five years that we were there, the church healed. It did. I learned in an entirely new way of God's faithfulness. He was with us all of that time. We left, though we had been wounded, on very different terms than the previous pastor had left. And, and we spoke love for the church, and we, we spoke a future for the church and anticipated that God would continue to move there, and, and their current pastor in that time has thrived there. God used that time, although it was painful, it was agonizing, to bring healing to the church. But He used that five years for Carmen and I as well. Although it was painful, He, he shaped us through it. Because our next assignment was at a church in Michigan, and, and that church had been deeply wounded by their previous pastor. I'll be honest with you, I was not very open to that idea. We interviewed with them, and and I thought to myself, oh, I've been through this once already. I am not going back, right? Have you heard the expression, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know? I thought, we'll just stay where we are. We, we know this devil already. We're not going to go to the next one. I, I learned about halfway through our interview the kinds of struggles that the church had, and, and I, I wanted to end the interview right there. We were interviewing online, and you know when television shows how when someone's on the phone and they want to end the call, they like crinkle a piece of paper in and pretend like it's static and say, I'm losing reception and hang up. Well, we were on Zoom and I was like, I was tempted to be like, I can't understand you, click, you know, like a digital breakup. I, I don't understand. Better to stay where we were than, than to go to the next painful place, I thought. And thankfully, Carmen, Carmen came away with a very different understanding, a very different sense of what we were to do next. And she insisted, we need to spend more time in prayer. We can't just dismiss this. And could it be that God has used what we've been through to prepare us for what's next? And that time in prayer showed us that we were to accept the position. And over the next few years, we got to watch as, as God did use our time in Indiana. As he redeemed it in our own lives for, for this next experience. As he ministered in us and as he ministered to this church in Michigan, God was faithful, and it took a very difficult understanding, or a difficult situation, and He used it for, for His glory. We received blessing by seeing the way His redemptive hand was at work. Many of you are familiar or, or have gone through a ministry that Calvary offers called Christ Life Solution, or CLS we call it often. And one of the things that we do in the first part of that is look back over the wounds of our lives, the, the things that we have been through, the ways that we have experienced pain, and we heal. If you have not gone through CLS, I just want to encourage you to, to be open to it, to consider it. It can be a very life-changing discipleship opportunity. We identify the ways God has loved us, even in the midst of difficult times, even in, in wounding times, how He was present with us and how He has, has brought redemption to difficult situations and how He is shaping us now. We know that God does not cause the agony we experience, but we can discover how He was present in us in, in those situations. We can discover that He was at work in us the whole time. We can discover that we never walked those things alone, but He was always with us, and we can find how deeply He loves us and loved us as we walked through those painful times. When the disciples remained confused about what was behind them 
and why they had gone through the things they had gone through, Jesus opened their mind to understand it all by understanding Scripture, enabling them to see that God had a redemptive purpose for all of it, all the while. When we had left Indiana, I had developed some, some coping mechanisms uh, for, for getting by through, through painful times. And what I learned is that coping and healing are they're very different things. Many of us have figured out how to cope with our past, but healing comes from Jesus. Healing comes from recognizing His faithfulness to us and trusting in Him. One of the ways that we heal is by recognizing how Jesus was present with us all along and seeing how He is at work redeeming our past. And if that registers with you as, as something that is needed or desired in your life, please talk with me before the end of the day about Christ's life solution. Before you go home today, let's have a conversation about it. If you look back and see unhealed pain, there is healing available to you. The first thing Jesus did was explain to his disciples what was behind them, opening their minds so that they could understand their past by seeing it in light of God's redeeming hand. Then Jesus turned to what was ahead of them. He said, I am going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus doesn't offer to them a lot of details, but what he does offer is enough. He said, I will go ahead of you and bring you into the future that I have for you. As you look forward, know that I am there. Jesus explains to them that, that God has been behind them, and He will be ahead of them too. And He doesn't make promises about what their future will look like, what struggles or what hardships they might endure, but He does promise that God will be there with them. God will be present with them. Jesus will continue to be present with them and through them and through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Behind them is Jesus, and ahead of them is Jesus. And they have spent three years with Jesus. They've learned His ways. They've been given a mission. He is with them. And that is where the implied right now comes in. You see, the story of Jesus doesn't end with His ascension into heaven, but neither does it await His return. The story of Jesus continues now through His disciples. All throughout Jesus' ministry, He was busy reshaping the way His disciples perceived the world reshaping the way they understood themselves and the world around them and their mission, allowing them to glimpse the kingdom of God that awaits them, teaching them to live according to the ways of the kingdom of God, that the now and not yet kingdom right now, embracing the not yet by living in it now. He taught them the ways of His kingdom, and He taught, he taught them that they are invited to continue in that story to live out the ways of the kingdom wherever He sends them, by, by loving without borders, by acting as peacemakers, by living according to the victorious nature of Christ-filled, Spirit-empowered life rather than the threat of death, which has already been defeated, and trusting that life is victorious. Everything that death has touched is being redeemed. Life is victorious, and everything that death has touched is being redeemed. It's a hard statement to make after the month we've had. The horrendous violence born out of racism, the, the horrendous violence once again which robbed the world of 
young lives, young innocents, there's, there's not enough religious language available to us to explain those things away or to make them okay. And that's not what our faith is for anyway. You, you will never hear me say, all things happen for a reason, but I will say, God is redeemer of all things. Even something as terrible and tragic as the hatred that led to the loss of life in Buffalo and Texas, I, I hope, my, my hope is that when we've been presented with two unspeakable tragedies, which should cause us to mourn, that we, we do, we take the time to mourn, that we mourn these things. We know the kinds of conversations that tend to crop up after events like these, the kinds of, of things that we turn to. Rather than mourning, we become instantly territorial and political. We become defensive. We, we keep critical distance between ourselves and the reality of the immense tragedy that we face. We're privileged that, that even when it's close to home in Buffalo, it's still not so close that we have to feel it personally. And that's not a grocery store that we shop at. Those were not children that we know, families that we know. And we can revert to conversations and opinions about things that we can't personally change in order to distract ourselves from the things in our own heart that are in need of change. We distract ourselves, which shifts our attention away from what we should be saying. We should be saying, here is my heart, Lord. Heal it, Lord. Heal me of pride and of politics that don't match your kingdom and of opinions and of prejudices. Heal my heart, Lord, and, and maybe even break my heart, Lord. Because your heart is broken, break my heart, and don't give me an easy escape into the, the conversations that distract us from this pain. You see, I believe what I said, life is victorious, and everything that death has touched is being redeemed. But if that's true, it starts in our own hearts. It starts with the death that has touched us being healed. It starts of repenting of the death that we perpetuate through our own broken actions and attitudes and thoughts and words and opinions. Sometimes our opinions are the most dangerous weapons we carry. Sometimes our opinions are what keep critical distance between the lives that we live and the lives that God intends for us to lead. And I hope that we know that surrendering our hearts to Jesus means surrendering our opinions too. There's just one more thing I want to draw our attention to, and I want to start by picking up where I left off in my own story, because uh, we had gone from Indiana to Michigan, and, and we saw God at work, and, and to my surprise, I began to see how God used the, the pain of our past to minister as a, to a congregation who knew pain themselves, who had gone through similar wounding, and we healed together. They healed. Carmen and I healed. We experienced healing together. There was energy, and there was new life in the church, and we found countless ways to, to be involved in fellowship and, and in community service and ministry, and we were constantly moving from one project to the next. There were church building renovations and community service projects and new ministries being launched and, and developed, and we, we just hit the ground running together. And, and 
We went nonstop for two years. Just go, go, go. And then we entered into the beginning of 2020, and we, like most churches, shifted online for a time. And I became convinced that the church was entering into a new season and that it would be difficult for us because we were used to going, to, to running, to, to, to going at an unstoppable pace. And we were being taught in that time how to stop. And we weren't good at it. We weren't good at stopping. It was, it was a challenge. We couldn't serve our neighbors or do projects, or be in the building. We could not run at an unstoppable pace like we were used to. Serving our neighbors looked different. It wasn't what we were used to. And we began to wonder, if we can't do, if we can't run, who are we? Who are we now? If, if we have to slow down, we didn't know what our identity was anymore. We didn't know how to stop, and we definitely didn't know how to wait. And it was a season of waiting. One of the last instructions Jesus gave his disciples with is this. He said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. His instruction to them was, wait. But they had a mission. They had an urgent mission. There were entire cities, whole, whole regions across the globe that had not heard the good news of Jesus. They had no idea what had taken place. And this good news, it needed to be shared. It needed to be shared now. There was undoubtedly a sense of urgency in them. But Jesus told them, wait. Don't go yet. Wait. That's so hard, isn't it? To stop and wait. To move only when God is telling us to move, it is so hard to be still instead of to go. We might like to think we're taking initiative. The disciples, they could have easily said that. Instead of waiting in the upper room, they could have said, you know, let's at least, let's at least go to this community. Let's at least uh, venture outside of this room and start telling the people nearby us what happened. We can at least start there. In fact, that would seem like a good thing. That would seem responsible. We can at least stay nearby. We can still kind of do what Jesus said, but we can get this good news out now. But that wasn't the instruction they were given. That wasn't how the Spirit was leading them. You know, anyway, who wants to wait? Nobody enjoys that. God is behind us, and God is ahead of us, but it's so important for us to abide in Him now. The not yet part of the now and not yet kingdom is so difficult. Not yet is the hardest phrase my kids have to hear me say. It's, it's worse than no, right? No is final, not yet is, it lingers over us. It's an undelivered promise. It's, it's something that we know is coming, but it's, it's not yet. It's, it's gifts under the Christmas tree. They're there, but they're not yet unwrapped. But how we live in the not yet matters. If we don't learn to wait on God, well, then we move without Him. And yes, He's there with us, but that doesn't mean that He blesses what we're doing or that we're doing what He's blessing. When we heard the news about Buffalo in Texas, did we allow our hearts to break 
before we formed opinions or looked for ways to justify the opinions we already held? Did we, did we even wait that long? Have we asked the Lord for direction and waited until it was received before moving forward? Have we waited expectingly until he sends wisdom, direction, and blessing? The Lord is ahead of us, but still we wait on him. He is behind us, but we yield our past to him still. He is with us, and we depend on him now. We will move when he tells us to move, but we'll be still when he tells us to be still. What is he telling you this morning? Let's pray together. Lord, we confess to you that waiting is the hardest part. We can learn to see the ways that you have been at work behind us. You have seen us through difficult things in our past, unspeakable things for some of us in our past. You are present, and we can give you praise. And Lord, we learn to see you in our future, to trust you with the days that are ahead, but, but it's the now that is the most difficult. It's the waiting that is the most difficult. And so we pray, Lord, that you would teach us to wait in you. Teach us, Lord, to be still in you, to trust in what you are doing now. Teach us, Lord, to, to abide in you faithfully. faithful Lord Lord we yield our, our past to you there are things that we may still need to heal from ways that we have not identified that you are already at work heal us Lord we yield our future to you forgive us for the ways that we try and take control of it and teach us instead to trust you with it we yield our present to you and we will go when you tell us to go and we will wait when you tell us to wait and we pray that we would not move outside of the, the movement of your spirit we love you Lord we praise you together this morning